You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people, and it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained, overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. And today is the 13th day of May 2021. The guest caller number is 917-889-8827. And uh, we're going to be getting into uh, part, well, actually, I think it's a new chapter, isn't it? No, it's part three of chapter 13 of the Holy Priesthood, volume four. We're talking about the Reformers. Kim, are you on? My uh, I am sorry. Um, I actually was dealing with uh, 
Arius having a screaming fit. <laughs> um, oh, okay. It it turns out he gets upset when you don't let him paint with his sister's supplies to finish her art project. So, you know, what of can course. you do? You say, no, you're the not allowed to paint your face, and you're not allowed to paint on the table, and it's not going to happen, and then you're like the worst person ever, and he doesn't like you anymore. <laughs> so we... We had it, you know, we had a minor disagreement. I won. He's now not in here. <laughs> um, trying to help out with uh, kids' schoolwork, you know. It's the end of the year, and all the end-of-the-year projects are due. So, And because we have kids who are in high school, middle school, elementary school, and not even in school yet, we have varying ages of different things that are going on. And, yeah, so that's what's going on. And, yeah, so it makes me super busy. Yep, and somebody didn't call me for the second time in a row about how my truck was done in the shop. So I'm, I'm like, really late today. They're supposed to call us when they're done so we can get over there and start, but nobody bothers to call me twice in a row. So there's that. Anyway, um... So I'm just getting in the truck right now and setting all of this up, but uh, the chat room is available online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon for anybody who wants to utilize that. Kim, are you ready for the reading? It's pages 165 to 173, and I did post that on uh, Facebook. Yeah, I'm... uh working on that part right now. Um, sorry, one second. You can hear him, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, have one of the girls take him out of the room. Anyway, um, the text will be at uh, facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. When all else fails, you can always just go outside and hide in the car. (laughs) Was that what you're doing? Working on it. Is that what you're doing? Okay. I am really not very, like I can't sleep good, and I drive at night. Last night, about 1 in the morning, I just about flipping started falling asleep while I was driving and I was like, nope, I'm done. So I thought, well, if I get some sleep when it's dark out, then I'll be fine. But that didn't work either. I just need to get one night off. And I'm only good for about three nights after I've had a a full real night off. But I'm pushing because I'm trying to make money here so I can get above. And it's how many loads I get uh, determines how much I get paid. So I try to push it, you know. But sometimes I just uh, I, I just I can't do it. So anyway, I'm still tired, even though I've been laying in bed okay. all day. I don't know why, but for some reason my phone won't open up both uh, me calling and the app. So I can read with you. So I am going to have to do a hard reset on my phone right now. So you stay on. 
for just a minute, okay? I'm going to hard reset okay. and call right back in and see if it will let me open it up. I think it has something to do with Internet connection, but I don't know. So let's just get it all over with first and then hopefully be able to read, okay? Okay. I'm going right to go to this. All right, I'll go to the text and just start the text. Okay, you start. I'll be right back on. Love I you. haven't <laughs> started driving yet, so. All right. Okay, uh, no worries. So we're on part three of uh, Holy Priesthood, Volume 13, uh, Holy Priesthood, Volume 4, Chapter 13, Part 3. And we're talking about the rest of the, um, uh, what do you call them? They're they're not restorationalists. I guess that's what you call them. Anyway, but we're on Part uh, 3, which is uh, page 165 to page 173. From the time of Christ to the latter part of the 16th century, there were alternate efforts to either outlaw plural marriage or to promote it. Both the popes and the Protestant leaders took turns on both sides of the issues. With the aid of the Gutenberg printing press and the availability of the scriptures, many pamphlets and books began to be published supporting plural marriage. John Lazer laser, I guess that's what how you say it, came out with a great work in uh, 1682 called Polygamy Triumphant contain over, containing over 500 pages with nearly every supporting quote by leading scholars ministers and even some Catholics its logic and common sense appealed to many people even in other countries but the general public accepted accepted the subject more from curiosity than from an application in their lives. It was so well received that it became a sort of source book on the subject. But teaching people to live polygamy then, as now, had a similar effect in trying to sell someone a disease. (laughs) And, you know, some people are like, Jesus did away with the Torah. Well, guess what? Guess what? Polygamy was part of God's people before there was a Torah. So stuff that in your pipe and smoke it, all of you monogamists out there who have a problem with polygamy. Anyway, um, and like Jesus came to do away or to uh, fulfill the law, which means in the Hebrew sense that he came to live it perfectly, which meant, meant he kept all of God's laws. He walked perfectly in in the sight of God. Well, all one of God's laws is to multiply and replenish the earth. Oh, he had a wife and children. And in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, it says that he will look down upon his seed or his children. Yeah, and who did he go to first after after he was resurrected? Oh, Mary Magdalene, his wife, you know, uh, if, uh, say if James died, okay, James was the jother, uh, the brother, the jother, the brother of, um, the brother of Jesus, the half brother, but still same, whatever, brother, Jesus, whatever. Um, and he had a wife and his wife didn't have children before the brother died. And then the brother died. Guess what? Jesus would have had to take a wife. 
and lived polygamy. And he didn't speak out against the laws of Torah because he lived them perfectly. So all of these idiots out there that run around freaking out, out about polygamy, uh, it's just because you're being uh, tempted by the devil to oppose God's culture and God's laws. Anyway, Kim, are you there? Uh, I don't know if she's still doing that hard reset. i got to get out of here. But uh, Lacer's spirited defense of polygamy is almost without equal, especially for a man who could hardly support or handle one wife. He was poor, frail, downcast, and nervous, but he devoted his life in, uh, to publishing his works in support of the principle of plural marriage, from his meager earnings and from extra winnings, winnings at chess, this man struggled to publish and republish his books. His first okay, work, I checked. entitled oh, sorry, Discourses... Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, so um, I did that and it worked, and now I can open up both at the same time. So I'm good. Sorry. Okay. Um, I just got into page 166, I'm about one paragraph down, if you want to take a look at that. I need to pull out of here so I can get going. I know, that's why I was trying to hurry up. Okay, so are you on number one? No, I'm, I'm right before that. Okay. I'll just finish what I was reading. His first work, Entitled okay, Discourse on Polygamy, Entitled Discourse on Polygamy came at a point when people were prone not to marry at all because of the high cost of children. Home expenses and helping in-laws, this uh, publication was a dialogue between a polygamist and a, a monogamist, part of which follows. Number one. Go ahead, Kim. How can a wretched husband manage single-handed to deal with a horde of wives? Number two, we have to bear our cross in this world. In any case, one cock can cope with several hens and impregnate them too. Number three, but who will feed the wives? Number four, consider the lilies of the field and the fowls of the air. Go to the cock, O thou little, O thou of little faith, and ask him who feeds the hens. On the day of judgment, the Turks and Gentiles will resuscitate and accuse Christians of lack of faith. Though God's message as regards polygamy is clear enough. Nowhere does the Bible say that one man should be limited to one woman. Number five, no doubt, but women will never accept polygamy. Number six, indignantly, did God send men, set men in authority over them? In any case, women will submit to it if properly indoctrinated. And look at all the sins that spring from monogamy. It drives women to arrogance and dom- domination over men. What is even more serious, monogamy leads to onanism, by which lacer means intercourse with sterile or pregnant women. Abortion, infanticide, sorry, infanticide, like killing infants, whoremongering and adultery. Infanticide. Okay, sorry, I couldn't say it right. But I know what it meant. I was just like, I don't know why I can't say this correctly. All these could be abolished if polygamy were admitted. After polygamy, that was from after polygamy was made a sin, Karn Cross, page 77. Other arguments in favor of plural marriage, some from other authors, were also included in Lacer's work, such as, number one, it would expand the family size, income, and influence. Number two, it would be easier for girls to find good husbands, a good husband. Number three, 
It would allow all girls a chance to be married. Number four, children would be cared for at home by other mothers if a wife was ill or away. Number five, fathers would have more help at their vocation and at home, and children would have more friends and ties within the family circle. Number six, wives would vie with each other with their best appearance and personality. Okay. Number seven, the man would gain much greater experience in handling women than in monogamy. Number eight, the man would have a much greater source of counsel from several wives than from one. Number nine, it would mean more converts to Christianity from the many polygamous countries of the world. Number ten, it would be it would help prevent immoral temptations, abortion, fornication, adultery, illegitimate children, prostitution, and divorce. So hold on, just a second. Hold on. So going over this and reading it, um, I think that this sounds all nice and wonderful and happiness and everything, but it's not accurately 100% true of all families who are polygamous or not polygamous or monogamous or whatever. I feel like this is just like an overall, like in general, this is what would happen and stuff. Because um, just because you have more opinions from several other wives doesn't mean they're going to have the same opinion. And then it also creates a lot more um, argument (laughs) and that makes it more difficult. Um, So it doesn't make it easier. Um, Yeah. And also it says that um, it would be easier for girls to be married more than once because that's definitely an argument that needs to be made over and over. Um, It definitely expands the family size and income only if you are marrying wives who want to have income because if you marry wives who are like, I want to be the stay-at-home mom who doesn't, um, go out and make any well, money. Well, we have a whatever. friend. So we have a friend who has two wives, and both of them are highly educated. Yep. Stay home and take care of the kids, and the other wife works, and he works, and they make pretty good money, and they don't really need her to to work. So, but then the other thing too is, um. So if if a woman knows that she doesn't have to choose from the scum of the earth to be married and that she can choose a good guy who uh, whose first wife is very pleased with him, you know, and, like, why wouldn't a woman want to do that unless she just wants to be selfish? I'm in a bad area, Kim. Yeah, I was going to say you're breaking up just a little bit. Um, okay, well, I I don't mean to be, like, argumentative or anything, but I was just saying um, uh, a lot of times when there are um, things like this written, opinions about it, then um, it can go both ways, kind of. Anyway, Um Sorry, I was getting a drink. Um, So from Martin Madden. Between 1680 and 1750, there was another upswing in the polygamous campaign, both in Germany and England. One of the most prominent advocates was the Englishman Martin Madden, a disciple of the John Wesley Church. But his work came later with a three-volume publication in 1781 called 
Thalysora, or female ruin. If you know how to pronounce that right, then you could say it the right way, because I don't know if I'm saying that right. Thalysora. So it's T-H-E-L. Okay. Okay. It's T, it's the, and then L-Y-P-H-T-H-O-R-A. So I think it's Thalysora, but like, you know, it's hard to do that with speaking English, I guess. Anyways, it says, he mentioned that under the current laws, women were considered less than the beasts of the field. A person could seduce, defile, or abandon to prostitution and ruin a thousand women, married or unmarried, and suffer less than if he should steal or kill an ox or a sheep. <coughs> Madden wanted to influence the laws of man to, again, conform to the laws of God. In this preface, he wrote, Yet such is the system under which we have been living from generation to generation, and which will be transmitted to the latest posterity, with all its growing and increasing mischiefs, unless the apparent necessity of, ref of a reformation shall make us willing to receive and adopt the only means of it. <clears throat> what those means are, it is the purpose of this book to lay before the public eye and to recommend in the most earnest and serious manner to legislative interposition, not as opposing one human scheme to another, but as restoring the divine government to its due honor and respect, and of course, to its salutary influence over the manners and actions of mankind. Preface to Philosophia Aura, uh, Volume 1, page 3, 4. Page four, IV means four, right? Um, <clears throat> Dr. Madden's work was a masterpiece of research and scholarship. His publication is still considered one of the most authoritative and reasonable arguments ever made in support of plural marriage. He contended that plural marriage was practiced and sustained in the Old Testament with the sanction of God, that Christ descended from King David, who was a polygamist, and therefore that lineage was not condemned. He gives point after point of support and proof showing that Christ never condemned anyone for teaching or living it. He, and he didn't even give any warning that it might be a temptation yeah. to be avoided. Yes. I don't know what the problem is, but you sound like you're robotic. Oh, and, sorry. Um, I thought maybe it, it was might me be my because headset? I just got into Emory County. Uh, it might just be where you're sitting. From, I don't know. Cell phone. The okay. cell phone service is in the greatest in our house. Um, anyway, but I have full yeah. bars. I'm going down Hiawatha Hill. So. so it has to be me. Hold on. Yeah. What if I just move? I don't know. Also, this headset sometimes makes weird noises in the right speaker, which is why I don't mind you Your know, earbuds? giving it to yeah the earbuds. So I don't mind giving it to the kids for that reason. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Can you? Do I still sound oh. weird? No, you're fine now. Oh, I wonder what it was. Just something weird. Um, let's probably just right where you were sitting was just that spot. 
Where did you say you are right now? Are you um, back in Tarbin? Yeah, I, I, I'm almost to the bottom of Hiawatha Hill, or Four Mile Hill, I mean. Okay, and you're headed to... You're not I'm loaded, going right? to the mine. No. Okay. I just left the yard. Okay. Yeah, but I didn't know if he had left you loaded again. That's what I was asking. No. No. Uh, I'll be to the mine in about 30 minutes. Okay. Sounds good. And you have everything that you needed, right? We just don't need to bring I'm you anything good. else. Okay. No. All right. I forgot to ask you before we left. Sorry. Okay. I'd probably right. just be doing shorts <laughs> until midnight again. So. Okay. And then see how it goes from there. Okay. Continuing on. Dr. Madden not only wanted the laws to sanction polygamy, but Old Testament law that anyone seducing a girl must marry her. Furthermore, he insisted on another biblical law imposing the death penalty for anyone guilty of adultery. Dr. Madden appealed to the public to compare the results of a people who live monogamy to those living polygamy. He quoted Jesus saying that we could judge a tree by its fruits. So we should see what happens in both these lifestyles, he said. Um, and this is the next 169. So um, did, if you had anything to say about that. No, I'm actually tired right now because I don't know oh, okay. why I can't sleep. And I'm ornery and I'm a little bit angry because uh, they didn't call me when the truck was done and they put my brush that I put in the back of the truck to clean off coal off the back of my trailers on the tongue for who knows what reason and my co-driver decided to put my mic in a different spot which is right like I have to look at, out of my uh, my passenger side mirror I have to be able to see that, and I use my peripheral vision to make sure nobody's there, you know. If I got a microphone mm -hmm. hanging right there, swinging around all over the place, it just screws me up, and I told him that. And, and it's my microphone, but he doesn't, for some reason, he doesn't leave it the way I put it, because I guess it's too high for him. I don't even know. It's got a retention thing where he can pull it down and talk, you know, even if he's sitting on the damn ground, you know, mm -hmm. but he's got to mess with it. And so, like, I'm just pissed off right now for a whole yeah. bunch of different reasons, and I can't even But listen. I can totally see that because you have to, uh, it when you have to share uh, close quarters, like a truck is not very big. He doesn't, you don't have a sleeper cab or nothing. So it's not very big. Well, so no, sharing it with somebody else. during the day. He drives yeah. during the day. I drive at night, okay? Um, mm -hmm. At night, I, I've got a black microphone hanging in a dark cab, bringing around in front of my peripheral vision, uh, where I, and even when I look over the mirror, I have to try to look around this thing that's swinging around because it's hanging from the ceiling of the cab. And it's just, it's a safety concern, you know, and I, t I keep telling him that, you know, this is an issue, 
but instead of just doing what he usually does, she like redoes the whole thing so that it's hanging, uh, it's hanging even more down. And he, he like undid a bunch of stuff that I set up. You know, I, for the listening audience, I have been a truck driver. I started driving truck in 1994. Uh, and then I went to decent mechanics school for a couple of years. So then I drove truck and then I went on my mission. I came home and I drove truck. I've been doing this for a long time. I have no accidents and no tickets. I take this job very seriously. When the, when the boss doesn't put things on the truck, which should be on the truck like a brush so that I can clean off my my trailers without getting up on top of everything and putting myself in a dangerous position and that the mechanics take it out and put it somewhere else just leave it alone you know why do they got to mess with stuff and the other day I'm sorry I'm going off on a rant the other day one of the stupid mechanics who's like 20 years old he's like how you doing buddy and I'm like why are you talking to me like I'm an asshole like, why are you talking to me like I'm an idiot? And I think it's because I tried to block as many of them on Facebook as I can so they don't see my content. But I'm pretty sure that somebody told them, oh, you've got that guy working for you? You know, because this county, this Emory County, is full of religious hypocrites who, for, for many of them, don't even know a damn thing about their religion, but it's like a social club for them. And if anybody speaks out against their social club, they will slander me, which they've done, and my kids, ever since we've moved down here. And the only reason I live down here is because this is where God told us to live. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. But I have to put up with these assholes. And it pisses me off. That's why I drove for the other guy I drove for. I was the only guy that would drive for him. I put up with his crap for four years before I finally just had enough of his crap. But I put up with his crap because he didn't care what my religious views were. He didn't judge me. All he cared about was the money that I made him. You know, my perfect driving record, no accidents, no tickets, over three million miles. But they, these guys, they have a problem with me, my, uh, with me personally because of my religious opinions and beliefs, which is crap. And I'm really sick and tired of it. And if they think I'm as crazy as they think that I am, maybe they shouldn't push me. Because if I am crazy, I'm not, by the way. But if I was as crazy as they think I am, well, is it, is it, uh, you know, is it wise to... to to match with the guy who's unhinged and crazy? Is it really wise to screw with the guy who doesn't understand or doesn't have a, a, a good check on reality? You know, no, it's not. It's not wise. I'm not crazy, okay? But <laughs> I don't understand why they can't just leave me the hell alone and let me just do my job and stop screwing with stuff. So, and I'm just tired because, like, yesterday, my kids got home at noon. There was a loud crash about 20 minutes after they got home. I got up, went downstairs. What's going on? I don't know. I don't know. Never could figure out what the heck was going on. You know, I have no idea what happened. 
but but I I got to bed around seven thirty eight ish. I got woken up shortly after noon, and uh, and then I I and to, I think it's about three thirty three yeah three thirty in the morning. I fell asleep on the couch in the living room because I didn't want to wake my wife up. And then I woke up a couple hours, uh, like two hours later, uh, to help everybody get uh, waked up and ready for school and everything. And then I went back to sleep for a couple hours. And then I just laid there all day long, exhausted, because I can't sleep in the daytime, but I have to work at night. So we'll see how much work I get in tonight, but... So I'm just irritated, and I'm not really listening. My mind and heart is not in it tonight. I'm just pissed off. Okay, well, I can still do reading, and sometimes you just got to vent, you know? So, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I'm there for you. I hear you. I'm validating you. I understand. Uh, and you don't want to be just, like, placated, you know? Like, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> uh, don't I don't me, right? want to be working, <laughs> but we need for me to work because this is how mm-hmm. we take care of bills. So I'm working. And kids. And goats. I do the radio show. Oh, yeah, that's another thing, too. Three of my goats decided somehow to get out of the flipping field today, so I had to chase them around in my shorts. I went outside to grab something out of the van and noticed that they were, you know, hanging out. So, like, I'm on, I have my garments on. I've got basketball shorts over my garments and a flipping coat over my shirt, part of my garments. So I'm walking around. In shorts and a heavy coat, which I only meant to go outside just for a minute to grab something, and my slip-on shoes, walking around chasing goats with a freaking lasso trying to catch them, and uh, I only caught one. The other one finally decided to go back to the field, and then I was like, whatever. And as soon as the 12-year-old got home, the goat whisperer, she went and grabbed them and got them in there, but they don't like me, so I couldn't. I couldn't get them. I did get one with the lasso, though. I just couldn't get close to the other ones to get them. So I'm just irritated at everything. At least my wife brought me Arby's home for breakfast or dinner. Well, I guess <laughs> it is my breakfast. So. Oh, and that's another thing. Uh, since I'm venting, my son thought that I'm going to make dad hot dogs or beef hot dogs for his meal. Like, okay, I'm usually in this truck for like 12 hours at a time. I need to take lunch, four hot dogs with no condiments, dry in a Tupperware container, pisses me off. He knows better. He's being lazy. Uh, I, I'm just. But at the same time, you know, he was trying to do your food, and 
he's a kid, so there's that. And I've told him so many times not to give me that. You know, like, I can't seem to get it into his head. Just put whatever you guys make for dinner the night before into a burrito. I don't care if it's spaghetti with meatballs. I can hold a burrito when I'm driving. I can't freaking, I can't take a plate with me. Hold, safely hold a fork and shovel food into my mouth. I just don't have time for anything. And um, I don't know what to say about that other than, like, before I got married, I would just go out to eat all the time. I can't do that now because I've got five kids. Also, we don't live over the road anymore. You live at home, so. I wasn't over the road when I first got married. Um, When I I was doing directional drilling down in Florida. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm done venting. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be myself and sulk. Love you. Okay, sounds good. I'll continue reading. The only real and substantial difference between the ancient Jews and the Christians is this. The former took a plurality of women whom they maintained, protected, and provided for agreeable agreeable to God's words. Okay. The latter, day, or the latter take a plurality of women and turn them out to ruin and destruction, not only against God's word, but against every principle of justice and humanity. Or, in other words, if the Jew took as many as he could maintain, the Christian ruins as many as he can debauch from the Thora quoted in After Polygamy Was Made a Sin, page 159. Um, also, if you're listening and um, don't have anything to say, honey, um, could you call Olivia and have her come and put the goats into the cage because they're back over the fence again? And um, I don't want them to get run over at night when it gets darker. So if you could call her and have her come out with Eliza and wrestle up those goats into okay. the front okay. dog kennel. Okay, okay, okay. Thanks. Okay, I'll call her. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Madden was not alone in his support of plural marriage at this time, as it was also favored by such men as Milton, Boswell, Newton, Rousseau, Spinoza, Napoleon, and Schopenhauer. Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, 1769 to 1821, Emperor of France, was also a noted military genius. He had concluded that it was not just military arguments that won peace among nations, or sorry, armaments that won peace among nations, but also the giving of wives to the kings of nations was a brilliant and effective method for securing peace treaties. He wanted to introduce a polygamy in the West Indies with the idea that it would spread from there. He even went to consult with Catholic theologians on the possibility of changing the church doctrine that suppressed polygamy. Adultery had become more tolerable than polygamy. In France, the Penal Code of 1791 abolished the penalty for adultery, yet polygamy remained a crime. To force the breakup of polygamous marriages, either centuries ago or presently, is a violation of individuals' 
natural and lawful rights and creates a disruption of family unity. It is the destruction of sacred vows and the sanctioning of divorce. It casts mothers and children into a hostile world to fend for themselves. It is against the laws of God that state, what therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Mark 10, verse 9. It is no more correct for the monogamist to break up marriages of polygamists than for polygamists using similar reasons and means to destroy monogamous marriages. Since warfare continues to exist in this world and other causes of death for thousands of young men, a surplus of women also continues. Valiant and faithful men should accept these women in plural marriage. Napoleon had much to say about women. He was in favor of the Orientals who advocated and practiced women's servitude to men. He also mentioned that plural marriage was a natural lifestyle for a couple. She stops being a wife when she can no longer give her husband children. Man who nature, who nature impedes neither by age nor by any of these disadvantages must have several wives. That comes from Memorial of St. Helen, Lost Cases, Volume 1, page 676. His reasoning may have been influenced by the fact that his first wife, Josephine, who was sterile, had been deceiving him, and he had put a perpetual watch over her night and day. He noted how well the Oriental males had subjugated their women, yet he claimed they were just as happy as the woman in the West. Again, he wrote, Mahomet seems to have known the secret and to have acted accordingly. Otherwise, how would a man who followed so closely in the steps of Christianity and swerved so little from not having suppressed polygamy? Can it be said that he kept it because his religion was utterly sensual? But then he would have allowed the Muslims an indefinite number of wives and not restricted them to four. That's from oh, Memorial of St. Helen, Less Cases, vol, or Volume 1, page 374. Arthur Schopenhauer, 1788-1860. to the noted German philosopher, lecturer, and author was another advocate of plural marriage. He read published works in German, Italian, English, and French. He believed in a certain type of spiritualism, claiming that por- portions of his work, The World as Will and Idea, The World as Will and Idea, was dictated by the Holy Ghost. He was a pessimist, but contended that man should labor for the suppression of desire, but aim for a sort of nirvana as taught by the Orientals. Although he supported polygamy as a virtue, when his wife died, he remained a bachelor. He thought that the monogamous women of the West were artificial and had mastery over their husbands. He claimed that monogamy created old maids or prostitutes, but that nature's aim is to increase the species. A man can endanger a hundred children a year, but a woman can bear only one. Oh, engender, sorry. A man can engender a hundred children a year, but a woman can bear only one in that length of time. James Campbell. James Campbell said, having seen all the continents of the globe and many islands of the sea and having observed human society in every climate, And in every social condition, I have at length returned to my native land, an older, and I hope, a wiser man. That's from Polygamy and Monogamy, Campbell, page 16. He related the story of an aged Native American Indian who had two wives. 
When the Christian missionaries came to convert him, he was told that he must give up one or the other of them. One was an aged but faithful companion, the other a younger one with a child, and his only heir. He could not decide which wife he should leave, so he left it up to the missionaries. They decided against the young one. The Indian wrote, this is also from Polygamy and Monogamy um, by Campbell, pages 21 through 22, quote, And thus, in one hour, was that young wife and mother deprived of her husband, her child, her character, and her home, and sent away a bereaved and lonely outcast into the wide world. The report which the missionaries themselves gave of this affair closed by saying that the repudiated wife and bereaved mother soon died inconsolable and brokenhearted. I now began to blush at my own late ignorance and bigotry. And the more I thought of the ecclesiastical tyranny of the North American missionaries, the higher rose my indignation against it. I could not fail to see that their narrow attachment to their own social system had made them judicially blind to the merits of any other, and that they were more ignorant of the true spirit of Christianity as well as of the nature or the natural rights of man concerning the laws of marriage than even the poor savages themselves, end quote. It is a common thought that every king would like to have more subjects, every merchant would like to, more customers, every farmer would like more land. And I don't know about that. I think this is good. <laughs> um, and every good man would like more wives and children. I don't know. Do you want more wives and more children? <laughs> no, I don't want more wives. I don't want more land. I don't. I do like kids, but they drive me nuts at the same time. I actually <laughs> just want to live in a townhouse where somebody takes care of the lawn, and I don't have a whole bunch of land. And yeah, we were talking. I was talking about that today. It's so funny that you said that. Why? Why? Because it's just easier. I was like, if we just go live in a tiny little townhome again, where where we have you know because townhomes don't have very many bedrooms and stuff so it's like if we only have three bedrooms there's really no space in it either so um there you would have to like get rid of everything we would have to get rid of everything and uh and then you're living a simple life with hardly anything it's a little bit easier because you have not you have less to take care of so you're not given a whole lot I, I think the reason that we're given more is because we have, you've lived where you've had nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So, it, but you're given more and more to work with. Well, yeah, and I try to take care of the things that I have stewardship over. And God yeah. just give us this farm, you know. I mean, yeah, there's no it's way so cute. Right that. now I'm watching... I'm watching our 12-year-old daughter. She's got her lasso just like she's supposed to. She is herding nine goats at the same time right now, and she's doing a really good oh, job. Oh, wait. Is she trying to put them all back in the... the yes, it's so cute. In the two cages cells. in the front. Yeah. Oh, I told her just to get the ones that were, um, like, that had escaped. Yeah, so... Two of them escaped, and I think, or at least when I saw it, but I think that they are, now they're going all back the other way. 
She said that Ashton so and Amidala. No, it's um Ashton and uh what's Luke. his name? No. Luke. Uh oh, was it one of the babies? It's one of the babies. It's so uh, it's Marie's baby. What's his name? Anakin. Anakin. Right? Is that his name? Yes. Yes. Okay. So Anakin was climbing the fruit tree and <laughs> um Murray was on the other side in the huge field, but she has all of them now um in the garden the huge area. Field, the hay the hay field or the Yeah, Murray field. jumped in was in the hay field in the hay field. Oh my gosh. Stupid goat. I hate goats. Anyway, go ahead. So <laughs> what? Uh, she just threw the lasso over her head because <laughs> she was like, "Oh, forget this." She marched over, grabbed Ashton by the horns, and now she's dragging him. <laughs> <laughs> this is better than TV. You should just everybody should buy a goat farm. <laughs> so no. okay, yeah. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> so she got both the males. So we have two breeder males. So she got both the males. She put them in the one with the chicken coop, okay? Because those two won't leave the women alone right now. Uh, even when she's trying to herd all nine of them, uh, they were both trying to jump on two different women. And the women aren't even in heat right now. <sighs> yeah. So anyways. Because so yeah, goats are those, dogs. Yeah. Those two are. Okay, so now that she's gotten rid of them, She's, like, marched back over. She's grabbing the babies. <laughs> I think she's grabbing Murray next because she's grabbing the dominant ones first. Yeah. The only thing yeah, good about goats is they have horns that you can grab them by and lead them along easily. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, she's doing good. Anyway, so I'm sorry, but I just thought that was so cute. That's <laughs> why so I had to tell you. Uh, okay. She's doing so good. Okay, anyways, I'll continue. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I just wanted to say, like, I thought that was funny because it said, and every good man would like more wives and children and, you know, more land and more everything is always better. But I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think some people are like, okay, this is enough. I don't have to have the biggest, the most, the best, you know, or anything like that. I just have what I'm given, and that's okay. Minimalists are like that. <laughs> Sorry. She's carrying uh, Anakin, and Murray's running after her. Like, what are you doing with my baby? So now she has both <laughs> of them in there. <laughs> that was so funny. Yep, so now yeah. all the big men are in the same place. All the boys. Yeah. And Murray. Yeah. She put the dominant ones all in the same place. Okay. All right. Well, what page are we on? I'm almost to chapter 14. So let me finish. Polygamy is a natural instinct for a man. Okay. Do you think polygamy, maybe it is because men like to sleep around. Is that what that's saying? Polygamy is a natural instinct for a man. Well, male whores, maybe. Yeah, I think men not don't all men. do it. Well, look, 
a polygamist that does it for that reason is doing it for the wrong reason. Right. It, it, they're 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 uh, giving they're giving into their carnal desires and their fantasies about being with multiple women. That's all that's about. Yeah. People who and are doing it, it says, because they know that. Go ahead. I was just gonna. Say, I was just going to say, it says that when he's prevented from plural marriage, it creates a frustration in his emotional character. I don't know about that. Like, You know what? If men are working as hard as men should be working, they shouldn't be having time for doing the whole sex thing. They should be too tired to be doing that. <laughs> right? Uh, I, I mean, I like can, with right? kings who had, like, I think so. I think, I don't know. I don't know either. I just... I don't, I don't know, know, because I work a lot, too, and when I'm working, I'm always too busy for anything, so oh, yeah. just trying to make things better. We're struggling. I try to do the best with what work. I'm given. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think the time is a real issue for both of us. We just need, like you said the other day, 36-hour days. <laughs> because yeah, time like, is an issue We're for both us. open to polygamy if it's a problem. Oh, my gosh. 2802, thank you. Anyway, um, what was I saying? I, we're open to polygamy if it, is, if it is only if it's by revelation. And God's going to have to make it clear because actually neither one of us really, we're open to it, but we're, like, not looking forward. Not forward. I don't even know what so to say. So it's kind of like... It's like we understand that where that could be a thing for some people. Like, um, I I could be understanding to that idea in the fact that I have been seriously abused in my life. And, you know, not where, like, oh, he yelled at me and that wasn't very nice or something. Like, I've been seriously yeah. hurt. and And so men, I, for a while, didn't even want anything to do with any man and even if they talked to me I was very rude and short and dismissive of all of them I was like uh no you're not even going to talk to me I don't want anything to do with you I don't care about your lies and whatever's coming out of your mouth I don't care like I was so done with men and I would rather have been single for my entire rest of existence than to have to deal with somebody else trying to control hurt use abuse me or my kids, because I had two kids before I married Mark. Um, and I was done with it. And I can see where other women would be that way. And they're like, no, that's okay. I would rather be single for time and all eternity than have to deal with somebody else who is a jerk. Because honestly, like I get it. Women who are constantly trying to do everything for their men, for their children where they are, they're cleaning, they're cooking, they do everything that their men ask them to do, and you just get so burnt out. And then you get abused by this man who hardly even does anything. I mean, like, too lazy to even go to work because that's how my ex was. And he would have me call his boss under the fact that if I didn't, I would be beaten. And then he would have me call and lie and be like, oh, he doesn't feel good or he can't get out of bed or whatever it is. And I'd be like, I'm not calling and lying. And then I would get my butt kicked and I would get hurt because I didn't want to lie to his boss. So, like, 
I I get it. Like women who are like that, or at least that that I can sympathize with women who are like that. Who um, my husband can attest. I am a busy woman. I like to do things. I have hobbies. I work a lot. I try to do the best of my ability with kids and also supporting my husband and trying to help him to even, feel, you know, what? Even even before you went back to work when you're raising the little ones, you were always yeah. busy doing volunteer work or something. Yeah, like I try to be helpful and do the best of my ability. That's who I've always tried to be, to do the best of my ability. And I feel like, um, you know, this is like maybe for most of the time, because I feel like there's times when, especially when I'm pregnant, when I haven't been all of that or doing that, and it makes me feel guilty or I feel like I should be doing more. And then now looking in hindsight, I feel like the things that I was doing while I was pregnant probably didn't help out the situation. You know, like maybe that guilt feeling of maybe it was my fault that I have lost babies probably because I was doing too much. I don't know. So anyways, that's another whole conversation. But so for the most part, I'm a very busy person and I try to do the best of my ability to do things and try not to be lazy. Um, And I try to be very supportive. Like, so Mark is feeling frustrated and upset right now, and I want to validate his feelings and help him to know that I understand that and that it's human and it is okay to be, you know, burnt out and that's how life happens and it's okay that he is upset, uh, frustrated, angry, you know, those are all normal feelings. So rather than try to say, oh, you shouldn't feel that way or hush him or try to, some people try to one-up people and be like, well, at least you don't have to do like me or whatever. I don't know. I can't even give an example, but um, yeah, but you try to like help out. So I'm trying to help him also with the way he feels. I, I understand how he is feeling and he feels burnt out. He has been working six days a week and trying to help out with the end of the year stuff with the kids, which is so much. So I get it. And um, I guess I'm maybe just understanding. So uh, like what I was saying, I could understand if a woman was feeling the way that I was before and not ever want to marry a man again, like be, you know, completely done with it. But then, you know, if you're married to somebody who is not that kind of man, who, you know, is supportive, who like is a hard worker, does their job, you know, helps out with the laundry and, and dishes and cooking and cleaning so that you're not feeling like, you know, you have to do, you have to carry the whole yoke. You should be evenly yoked. And so I could understand how if a woman was feeling the way I was before and like I'm not marrying other man or any person and then, but feeling the need and the urge that they knew there was more children that were supposed to come down to them. Cause I felt that way. I was, I felt like there was six children that I was going to have, but yeah, at that point I was like, Nope, I would rather be single for time and all eternity than to have any more children. But if I had a friend, like a really good friend, um, a girlfriend who, um, somebody I knew, do you know what I mean? Like we weren't just acquaintances or something, or even if God spoke of this person to me and I felt like, you know, she had that same situation, like, Oh no, not marrying anybody. I'm not doing this anymore. But she felt like I'm supposed to have, another child. I know that I am. And I'm not going to just have another child with some guy who's just going to leave and not be a good father. And, you know, you don't want to deal with that with that and doing everything all on your own all the time and have to work and, 
just do everything all by yourself. Nobody wants to do that. So I could understand where that would make polygamy a necessity because the woman who is married to a man who she can vouch for and be like, no, he is not going to beat you. He is not going to rape you. He is a hard worker. He is, you know, he's kind to his children. He is, you know, he has the same ideals that you do on how to raise children, or at least I guess in our case, I don't even know if you're still listening, honey, but like in our case, it would have to be like the ideals that we have together because you then would have to be in agreement with all three um, people and God, if that makes sense. But um, at least you could attest, you know, to the other um, person who is um, by themselves and needs a family to be in. And I can see where Joseph Smith would have sealed women to him, but they didn't have children because they all have to be, you know, sealed together. Joseph Smith understood certain principles that the LDS church doesn't seem to get. The things have been perverted by Brigham Young and that kind of polygamy that they live. So um, Joseph Smith understood that um, it was essential for a woman who is an elect lady of God to be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise to a man who is also one of the elect. And um, so um, I don't believe that he wanted to live polygamy. I believe that he knew about the sealing and how that was important. And so it doesn't surprise me to find out that they can't find any DNA from any of the children produced by these polygamous marriages because I don't think I don't think Joseph Smith wanted to live polygamy in the way that Brigham lived it. But I, yeah. I do believe he knew the principle and understood the principle of why it was important. Anyway, I'm going to mute myself. Yeah. Okay. Um. Thanks for the comments, too, so that it wasn't just me all talking about it. But, um, yeah, I can understand um, where that would be a thing. But like Mark was saying, we're not looking for somebody else to ruin what we already have going on. And (laughs) because that's always a thing, too, that can happen. And um, we're not looking for somebody else to take care of because we are trying to take care of children we're trying to raise them correctly. We try to take care of each other. And so having somebody else just to be a burden on the family that we've already been building, that would be so stressful in a trial all on its own. And I feel like we've already been through a whole bunch this year, so probably wouldn't be looking to take on a burden ever. <laughs> um, well, anyways. Like I said, um, God isn't going to put anybody with us that wouldn't uh, be right for us, you know. Equally yoked. It would need to be somebody equally yoked because Mark is a very hard worker. He works all the time, like too much. That's why he's exhausted a lot and gets frustrated because if you're working and you're like, it is, uh, what is it called? Um, You have, it's rough on your body. 
Oh, yeah, my body's wore out. Yeah, so his job has got him bouncing around all day long in a truck. It's really hard on him. He doesn't have a lot of time to do cardiovascular exercise, which makes it hard for his body and his cells to regenerate, makes hard for positive endorphins. Um, it's difficult on his body what he does. But then when he's done, he's very tired a lot, which also makes it hard for him to go out and get exercise and do the things that his body needs. So it's just, it's hard. His job is rough. So it's hard on his body. And um, though mine is not as hard on my body, it is very, uh, what would you say, like mind? Uh, it's it's a very mindful job. I have to... Um, use my smarts, my 100% attention, um, a, a ton of knowledge that I'm gaining, learning, and constantly um, updating um, with each child that I am trying to teach and each uh, employee that I work with. It's it's very time-consuming. So I use a lot of my brain all day long. And a lot of times when I get home, um, I'm sure you can see, Mark, but when – when I get home, sometimes I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. I can't listen to anybody else talk to me right now. Because sometimes I've been listening to, you know, all these kids all day long talking all day long at me. And I'm like, uh, I just need a minute so that I can refocus. I have a hard time focusing after so long. <laughs> and then I come here and um, then it becomes more of a physical labor for me, um, cleaning, cooking, or, you know, the house and then the the animals and and stuff. I am thankful for doing this radio show, though, because it has given me an hour every day where instead of me saying, okay, do this and do that, like, you know, when I came home today, we did, you know, vacuum clean up different rooms and trying to get kids to put away things and do what they're supposed to do and then helping kids out with schoolwork and stuff. But um, but now, instead of doing all of this and the goats and everything right when I get here, it allows the children more responsibility to do them, which is why our daughter is doing goats. She's still doing them right now. I'm out here watching her. I've got my headlights on at her. <laughs> and um, my other daughter's doing the dogs right now. She's up. Eliza's up doing the dogs. Um, they were playing tug of war and stuff. But this allows them the time to show that they can be responsible because children – you need, they are not all of a sudden going to be adults and then decide one day they'll be responsible. You have to give them things to do, teach them how to do them, give them the responsibility to let them fail or succeed and um, help them to learn that they need to do this on their own. I don't usually get to do that because I am constantly trying to control the whole situation. So I'm always like, no, just do this right now. This is what you're going to do. Just listen to me and do what I'm saying. And I try to, like, have them do it. But right now she's making the choices by herself. She was asked to do the, the animals and put them somewhere, and she chose how to do it however she wanted to do it. She's still out there working with them right now to help them to, uh, I think, um, be more tame, especially the babies, the new ones, because they need to be worked with a lot. So, yeah, she's doing a great job. Um, but she needed the time to do that, and I think I just need the time to see and sit back and say that's okay. If she doesn't do it the way that I do it, she's doing it her way. But, yeah. So, anyways, talking about all this was just talking about being equally yoked. So, though I do a lot more, I I think we do the same. I feel like my husband does the same amount of work with the animals, the goats and the farm, because um, he comes home and he does, he normally will do like the grass 
or the watering or something like that. And if you own this much this much acreage as we do, that's a big chore. I know it doesn't seem like it is a big deal, but it really is. And then we help each other with fencing. He, he uh, has been doing really great with that this year too. We put up more fencing. Um, he does help out with the goats. Fencing is a never ending um, job. <laughs> I know, it's always a thing. So I feel like he does that kind of stuff too. We're pretty equally yoked when it comes to farm work. Um, he doesn't really, uh, you know, we have the little girls who collect the eggs and feed chickens and stuff. Um, feeding, we usually leave to the kids. We monitor to make sure they're feeding and that they're feeding them the right foods, that they're giving them enough of it, stuff like that. Um, but we let the kids do that type of stuff. We we generally make sure that they're in the right area doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, that they're not hurt, like none of them are lame or anything. We monitor that they're, um, I, I'm more of one who probably monitors like what their eyes look like, making sure that um, their bodies are the way that they're supposed to be and they're not bloated or anything. So I monitor that type of stuff. But um, he makes sure that the fencing and stuff is all done. So the, you, we're pretty equally yoked when it comes to farm work. I would say I do more of the tree work though he doesn't you don't really do that stuff I do the trees um and I like to garden and plant things but he will prep things so he will use like the machinery um the rototillers the bigger machinery and he will help prep things he also helped me with uh mulch this weekend we haven't spread it but we actually got a really good deal on mulch and so we have a bunch of that and grass seed and stuff and he does like a lot more physical labor and I do more of like the um, planting planning um, and moving around of things so yeah so we're pretty equally yoked and um, I would Jim, feel like yeah have you read all of the text almost do you want me to read the last it only has two paragraphs <sighs> okay <laughs> I was just going to say, I feel I would feel like that if there was some somebody else, that they would have to be equally yoked as we are. And it would have to be by direct revelation to all three of us. Yeah. Clearly not, oh, I feel a feeling. No. <laughs> yeah, no. But, yeah, so that was a huge one. Um tangent but that's uh what i was thinking about when because it says it creates a frustration on his emotional character but i just feel like it would be more i don't know i don't completely agree with what it was saying anyways the reformation was an attempt to turn back centuries of changes that had crept into catholic church to the catholic church it was a notable effort to reform and return the christian the early christian and judaic laws of the bible to the church and many original doctrines were brought back. The Reformation was an heroic effort, which actually set the stage for restoration. And now you're at chapter 14, it's page 174, the Americans land of religious freedom with a question mark. So do you want the precursor for the next, for tomorrow? Uh, Yeah, um, okay, so the phone lines are open. If anybody calls in during this reading preview, we'll take phone calls. Uh, they can be anything to do with theology, doctrine, whatever. 
um, mm-hmm. or comments on the text or anything like that. Um, if we don't have any calls, that's fine. Uh, like always, it's available for people if they want to call in. It's uh, 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. And uh, we have had international calls in the past. They use Skype. Somehow, I'm not exactly sure how that works, but uh, people can use Skype to come on the on the program as well. Um, but if they use the area code or the number is uh, Manhattan, New York number, and it's the one that I was given, and I can't do anything about that. I would want, I <laughs> probably like to have a Utah number since. West Coast people are the people I'm trying to get a hold of, but uh, <laughs> I, I get what I'm given and I do what I can. So anyway, go ahead, Kim. Okay. So this is only going to take me a minute to read, but um, both governments and religions were growing like mushrooms, and some lasted about as long. Religions wanted to control uh, over governments, and governments tried to get control over religions. Unfortunately, God usually had little to do with either. Their laws and the laws of God were frequently in conflict. A few souls attempted to get out from under such secular and ecclesiastical bondage and sought for a new land and new freedom. They called the new country America a place where good men and women could accept God's laws as their laws. It seemed to be his desire also, for later he said, Verily I say unto you, my law shall be kept on this land. That's in D&C 58, verse 19. Men who loved freedom and good government were selected to write those laws into a constitution as God explained. And for this purpose have I established the constitution of this land by the hands of wise men whom I raised up unto this very purpose. That's DNC 101 verse 80. I love reading DNC. It's like my favorite scripture because it's so relatable. So, yep, that's the end of that. Sorry for all the tangents today, but I guess that's what you get when you're in blog talk radio. Yeah, and we don't have any callers, which like not normal. So yep. uh you know, Kevin Kraut was talking I'm 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 headed down from the mines, so I don't know. But Kevin Kraut was we were talking the other day and he's like, you know what? Like anybody who has truth, like, they're not popular. People don't want to listen to those people. If if they have some lie to tickle somebody's ears oh, those guys will be popular, you know. And so I kind of get jealous of people who actually have people asking questions, coming on the air and stuff, just because I'd like to be able to have dialogue with people. But it seems like, you know what, Um, I am who I say that I am. And Satan is not going to shut his mouth about it. So anybody who starts to follow me, everybody who follows me is going to have some kind of attack come on them unless they keep a distance. It just seems like everybody. Joshua Sparks, you know, um, Art Bola, Jordan Bell. um, Oh, I see their faces. I can't remember. John Colthorpe. Uh, Samuel Schaefer, you know, all people 
that God you raises up. that mice guy with that really weird start... name. Shamanowski? Okay, yeah, that guy. <laughs> what about the woman from, where did she come from, Arizona, Texas? No, Dallas. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, you know that she actually wrote blog, uh, blog posts on me about me on Reddit. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she was mad because she was trying to have a second comforter experience, and she thought if I baptized her, it would happen. Mm-hmm. So basically, she was just using me to try to get to God. And mm-hmm. uh, God can see through your twisted ideas and plans, so... Whatever. I don't know. I just, it's just, it's disheartening to a point. Okay, because Joshua Sparks, he actually saw God put in their hands on my head and testified to that. And then God, God told him. He didn't tell me to tell him. God told him what he wanted him to do. And that was too hard for him. And then all hell broke uh, loose in his life because Satan, every time, (laughs) every time, uh, you know, like anybody lifts up their head to oppose the devil's kingdom, you're going to expect to be, you know, destroyed. So, and and there's like all these other people out there right now who are all claiming all this authority and all this truth. Um, that opposes what I'm saying, you know, so that's just muddying the waters. And, uh, you know, Joseph Smith said whenever a God raises up a true prophet, the Satan will raise up true prophets who will seem so very close to the truth that it will be hard to tell the difference. And I see him popping up all over the place. I'm well aware of what's going on, you know. But um, I just... I just, like, look around and I see all these people that have had, you know, testimonies, spiritual testimonies about the reality of my calling and all of the other stuff. And, uh, you know, they all fall. Jordan, he fell. He, He, like, has this idea about this Indian prophet now. Oh, Mark, Mark can't be the one, even though I felt the spirit when I asked God if it was true, but Mark can't be the one anymore, and I must have been deceived because he's not in India. i got news for you, Jordan, if you're listening, because um, I know he, he's like one of the followers on this show, but he never talks to me anymore. <clears throat> My great-grandmother was Iroquois Indian from the Seneca Nation. I am as much Indian as anyone else, but I'm also a Jew, and I'm also Scottish, and I'm also French. I have ancestors from China, which is kind of funny, because we found one guy that was, you know, back in the 1800s who was Chinese. But, like, you know, nothing is going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. And, like, this guy, he re- he's all, oh, well, there has to, one mighty and strong, it has to be an Indian prophet. Who said he has to be a, a 100% whatever, Indian? Who said? That's your own assumption. You know, Kim and I both have Indian heritage. 
both of us did. I'm Iroquois. Kim is Comanche or Apache or Comanche or something. She's something. What are you, Kim? I'm Eastern Indian. She's got eyes as dark as pitch. Well, I'm Eastern Indian, too. Iroquois. I got black eyes. She does have black eyes. That's why I have high cheekbones and black eyes and also really weird thing. Pocahontas. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren. Really weird. My <laughs> I don't have a lot of body hair either. Like uh, a lot of Indians when they're here, they don't have, you know, like a lot of leg hair or anything like that. So I don't know why it's really interesting, but I don't. So it's I have that leg same... hair and body hair in red hair. Oh, no. Did you know, know that in the Dead Sea Scrolls it actually says that the last prophet will have red hair? Yeah, I've heard of that too. And also like some kind of birthmark on your butt or something. <laughs> um, on my thighs, little marks. Haven't I, like, haven't you read that stuff though? I think I've introduced it to you. I know we've talked about it before. I don't know that. I, I don't recall. I've read a lot of things. So, um, okay, it's, this is like, okay, we'll just go over this real quick. Nobody's calling in and we're <laughs> talking. Mm-hmm. So in 2012, God introduced Kim and I, two strangers together, and told her to ease my burden and bear me children. And he told me to take her as my wife. And then when she finally was like, God told me to ease your burden and bear your children, I was like, I know. He told me to take you as a wife. We didn't know each other. Right? Yeah, right. Yes. Okay. So I'm just going over a short history so people understand where we're coming from. So, uh, I lived in New Hampshire, or no, she lived in New Hampshire. I lived um, in Tampa, well, near Tampa, Florida, in St. Petersburg. I flew up to meet her on June 30th, one day after my birthday. First time I ever met her. Introduced to her family, and we got married 20 days later. We'd only known each other online for a couple of months. And then about a month before we, like, a month and a half before we got married, God was like, get married. And we're like, okay, I guess we should, like, (laughs) take this serious and, like, get to know each other. And, uh, you know, a month later, I go out to fly and meet her. 20 days later, we're married. All right. So um, a couple of months later, I was studying some stuff, and I found out that Wilford Woodruff was a keynote speaker at the Bohemian Club, which God had had me research the Bohemian Club years before that. And then the next day after he was a keynote speaker, he was murdered. So I looked that up through the Salt Lake, or not the Salt Lake Tribune, um, There was a paperback in New York that talked about it, and I found another paper in San Francisco that talked about what happened. 
Well, the Bohemian Club is part of the Bilderberg Group and the Illuminati. They're bad dudes. They worship care, which is a god, and Baal, and all these, just a bunch of really bad things, right? So I was like, why in the world was a prophet of God, Wilfred Woodruff, a keynote speaker at their meeting? So that threw me into a huge loophole. Like, not loophole. I don't even know. I was screwed up. All right. Anyway, long story short, Tim's mother, I believe, uh, found out that I think polygamy is part of God's law, even though I wasn't looking to live it. But Tim's mother was like, Tim, did you know that he believes in polygamy? And like, uh, yeah, you heard of Brigham Young? Like, what the hell? You know, anyway, so she reports me for that and the Adam God Doctrine to the stake president that I only met one time. I'm truthful about my beliefs about polygamy and the Adam God Doctrine and about my experiences. He gets beat red, has me excommunicated from the church, and that really screwed me up. So the excommunication happened in January of 2013. Right after that, God opened my eyes up to a whole bunch of stuff. Like, it was just coming in like crazy. Uh, I was introduced to Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori, who talked about the Messiah, Ben Joseph, and the Messiah, Ben Judah, um, and about how Messiah Ben Joseph would... In 2006, he didn't know who he was, but that God would reveal to him who he was, and that he would uh, come on the world stage shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon. Okay, found out about that. Also found out about a bunch of other things, too. The Dead Sea Scrolls, this Michael Szymanowski, he came out and wanted me to baptize him in the Jordan River, and so I did so, and I said, why, why do you believe that I am who I say I am? And I'm looking for a, because the Spirit told me, but that's not what he said. He said, well, you fit the description in the Dead Sea Scrolls of the final prophet. Now, the prophet of Qumran actually saw in detail the life of the last prophet and I fit the description, I fit a whole bunch of it. So we found out about that in 2013. Also, the thing about Yitzhak Kadori, that we found out about in the same time period. Um, actually, it was shortly after, um, it was in 2014. So something interesting about that, I didn't know about Yitzhak Kadori's prophecy until after I went, went live on the world stage, and God already revealed to me who I was, who I am. So I go live on the world stage January of 2014 with the kingdom of God or nothing. Well, lo and behold, Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori saying that Ariel Sharon will die, and then shortly after that, Messiah Ben Joseph will come on the world stage, and that he'll use social media to do it. That's what his words were. In 2006, that's when he prophesied that that would happen. Shortly after the death of Ariel Schoen, like a week after his death, was when I did my first 
radio show worldwide uh, on the Kingdom of God or Nothing platform. So, like, I've, like, I get excited every time I find these things out. I'm like, Kim, look at this. Kim, look at this. So, yeah, that was in 2013 and 2014 when I found out about those things. So, you know, they're not fresh in Kim's mind. But, no. um, no. yeah. Anyway, I am loaded and going to the <clears throat> power plant in Huntington. Okay. So, I'm going to try to stay out all night again. I am exhausted. Really exhausted. That's what energy drinks are for. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. I do so. I do think you should be taking that uh, Ninja Red, and I think that um, I should have probably given you some of these uh, I would vitamins. love to have Ninja Red, but we don't have any in the fridge, so I haven't been able to take it because we don't have any. Oh, uh, for everybody... <clears throat> My wife also does Young Living, essential oils and all this health food stuff. And I like to tease her that it's a cult. She's in a cult. Of course, people think we're in a cult anyway, but... I just like to tease her because she gets on these Zoom calls with these other women that do Young Living. And it's just funny to listen to. We just want to heal people. We want to help people to become the best be possible them. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just be healthier and be the best possible them that they can be. I don't do it because I'm trying to, like, make money off of it or sell things or anything. I'm just like, hey, um, I didn't think that this was a real thing, and I didn't think it was actually going to work, but it turns out that these products that I have found – actually do what they say they're supposed to do so it's awesome for me it is homeopathic which is doesn't take a lot of hardcore drugs or anything to fix Um, it helps you to naturally help your body with the things that it needs so um yeah so you don't have to have any side effects a lot of times when you have different pills or medication that you take um from doctors, which I do, you know, we have doctors and, you know, we like to thank them for their help uh, in healing and stuff. But a lot of the things that we have for from doctors, there's all of these side effects. And I don't want side effects. You know, I don't, I don't want to take something that's going to be, give me side effects that are worse than what the actual symptom is. So I have found oils that do what they're supposed to do. I don't have any side effects from them. And um, and so I tell people about them. I say, hey, this works for me because, you know, people will say, oh, I can't stand this or this is a problem or I have this problem. And I'm like, you know, I actually know of something that will help to fix that. And it is um, healthy for you and it is not, uh, it doesn't have to be prescribed. Um, and you can try this. And if you like it, then I can help you to be able to sign up to get it. But if not, then that's okay. Because everybody, everybody is, you know, different. And everybody, um, their bodies need different things to function. We all are like that. We're all just individual and unique. 
I'm coming to the desk, Kim. I'm almost to the sunny side desk. So I'm okay. going to play the music. I... Yep. Love I'll you. call you in a minute. Love you, too. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Take care. God bless, and goodbye. Thank mm-hmm. you.